You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Welcome to another edition of Inside Healthcare. I'm Matt Brock, NCQA's Communications Director. And if you'll recall last week, we had Paul Cotton, NCQA's Director of Federal Affairs, uh, stop by for something we're calling the Policy Primer. And it's essentially an effort to put uh, difficult policy concepts into, frankly, what I call conversational English that um, folks can really understand. And Paul has been really good about uh, testing it out for us. And it's gone well last week. And he's here this week to talk about the report we've been waiting for so long. So let's get started, Paul. Uh, it's, it's out. What should folks really be looking for? What's the top points of consensus from? I think the top points of consensus, Matt, are that telehealth is the natural evolution of healthcare into the digital age. Um, we've seen all these other, other industries move forward into digital. We do digital banking, digital shopping. Healthcare is also now catching up and moving into the digital age. A lot of people who used telehealth during the pandemic were very, very pleasantly surprised at how effective it was. And a lot of them wanna continue using it going forward. I think we saw that there was very broad consensus from the very diverse set of stakeholders on our task force that many, not all, but many of the policies that were relaxed to make sure people get, get healthcare remotely during the COVID-19 pandemic, most of those should remain lifted after the pandemic is over. Um, some of them need to be adjusted to make sure we're doing things correctly. We don't want to have, you know, um, unfettered, you know, potential for abuse or uh, safety issues. And so there was some on which there will be a little bit adjustment and some that we want to bring back completely. For example, uh, the HHS, Department of Health and Human Services, Office of Civil Rights, relaxed privacy rule enforcement during COVID-19 because they just felt that was necessary. There was very strong consensus. We need to go back to full privacy enforcement after the pandemic pandemic is over. Hmm. So what else there is? I guess my question is, did you go through all, and we should remind people what we talked about last week that, sure. you know, uh, HHS uh, pulled down a bunch of restrictions to sort of make sure people could get healthcare through telehealth because that was the only way, um, especially in March for, you know, right. Uh, the quarantine to get health care. And um, so a lot of people were scrambling to get it done. Uh, HHS, CMS, they all sort of lifted restrictions. Uh, did you go through each of those things and give a thumbs up, thumbs down to each of them moving forward? And did you, did. Make, did you make a recommendation for when to do that. I mean, we're not done with the pandemic. No, we're not done. Well, some of them, for example, as I discussed, the privacy enforcement, um, that was necessary because we had so many, you know, you need, people need to get health care, and that was urgent. And so those privacy restrictions were lifted. We want those to go back in place as soon as it makes sense. Um, Others, for example, they had in Medicare uh, fee-for-service program, there were some very tight restrictions on 
who, which kind of doctors and other clinicians could use telehealth, what conditions you could use it for, where these visits could occur, uh, which patients in which regions they could use it, what kind of facilities you had to go to. You couldn't do a telehealth visit from somebody's home. There was very broad agreement that uh, those restrictions pretty much need to be lifted permanently because they were not um, necessary. We're seeing that it's possible to have safe and effective uh, telehealth without those restrictions in place. You know, um, I uh, interviewed Dr. Yellowlees, who was a quality talk speaker. He treats other doctors um, for physician-related stress, that sort of things. And he says that telehealth buys him convenience. So he would want to offer it at home because uh, his appointments it generally involve you know, talking to other doctors. I could see how he'd want to practice from home. What I don't understand is why do we care about where the call is being conducted from if the proper things are being done? There was a lot of concern before, based on assumptions, that there was a great deal of potential for fraud, waste, and abuse, particularly in fee-for-service insurance programs where the insurers pay for every little thing that's done. One of the most important findings of the task force was that as we're moving into what people call value-based care payment arrangements, where instead of paying doctors, hospitals, and other providers for every little thing you do, you pay them for expected outcomes, and there's shared financial risk. If they provide it efficiently and receive, uh, obtain high quality outcomes, um, then they get a little bit more money. And if they don't do it efficiently, then they're at risk for sharing some of those losses. When the doctors, hospitals, and other providers are at risk like that and, and have their payment pegged to outcomes, there's much less concern about potential for misuse of telehealth. So as we move into value-based payment, which the whole healthcare system agrees is where we want to go, these concerns are are rapidly diminished. And so as we, we want to use telehealth to leverage moving more rapidly into these value-based payment arrangements. For today, however, there's still quite a, people, quite, a, quite a few people in the fee-for-service arrangements. And so those other concerns still lingered. What we found is the task force found that um, there are probably better ways to address concerns, for example, about fraud, waste, abuse, than just to have all these really strict limits. You have technology you can use, some that's existing, sophisticated analytics, some that are emerging like artificial intelligence can, can help uh, track a potential misuse better. And these didn't exist when the old restrictions were put into place. Now that these uh, technologies are developing and becoming more widespread, some of them are still emerging, but we think there's a great deal of potential to use these technologies to address the fraud, waste, and abuse concerns without having all those very severe restrictions on the front end. I don't want to get um, too granular. We should remind our listeners that, um, that they can see the final report on the NCQA website, if you just go there and search in the box Task Force on Telehealth Policy, right. it'll take you to, our, to the landing page for all of this work and you can see the report in detail. I just didn't want to press Paul for, you know, because obviously it took weeks and weeks to decide on these things. It'll take a little while to discuss each of them. Um, on that note though, Paul, there were some things that you couldn't um, reach consensus on. Um, what do you think were the most uh, important issues that sort of were left on the table for later? Well, first, uh, probably the most important is whether we're going to pay the same amount for a service provided by telehealth 
as a service provided in person. Um, the healthcare providers and the telehealth platform folks very much are in favor of having what they call payment parity, the same rate for telehealth versus in-service. Um, some of the other folks, uh, the payers in particular, uh, the Congressional Budget Office perhaps, they weren't part of the task force, but they had concerns about that. Um, Medicare, for example, has said maybe there's some potential savings because it may be more efficient to provide care via telehealth. And if it's more efficient, um, should we capture some of those efficiencies and pass them on to patients? So we have those kinds of issues. We were not able to come to consensus on that. Um, uh, we also, um, there was uh, evidence that at least during the pandemic, Telehealth did not increase total healthcare utilization. One of the reasons there had been the restrictions in the past was concerns that if you had telehealth access, people would go to use telehealth all the time because it's so much more convenient than setting up an appointment and taking time off to go to the appointment. Um, we did not see that during the pandemic. Some people thought that was very encouraging evidence. Others were saying, hey, wait a minute, this is a very unusual time. What's going on during the pandemic is not necessarily the same as what's going to happen after the pandemic is over. And so we'll need further research. We were finally able to come to consensus that we do need that further research on what happens after the pandemic to really understand the impact on total costs and utilization of healthcare. But um, there are still some differences of opinion on that. Um, we'll have to see what happens as we continue to gather evidence on that. Uh, we're both former newsmen and we, and you know how this works. We both you're always looking for the hook, right? What's what's the big overarching selling point? And I think on this, what I've heard from you both last week and this week is what we really all are for and agree upon is that telehealth is the natural evolution of care delivery in the United States healthcare system. Correct? Yes. Yes. So, um, what do you think of those things you just list, listed for us? because we like a hook and uh, being newsmen, we like a little conflict too. <laughs> what, it, what, what do you think is, will remain a debate for a while? What was most contentious and you didn't, of those things you mentioned? Sure, again, payment parity, are we gonna pay the same rates? Do we know is this going to increase total utilization and is it going to hike costs or is it going to re yield savings? We don't know that yet because the, the COVID-19 experience is such a unique time in our, in our history. So we'll have to keep an eye on that going forward. Um, so those are things we'll just, they need more data. And evidence, uh, one of the points of consensus is that we should not be making policy based on assumptions or concerns about what might happen. We need to look more at what the data are showing us. But here we know what happened during the pandemic, at least the early days. We need to keep tracking that data and see what happens when hopefully very soon this pandemic is over and we go back to whatever the new normal is. We know that telehealth is going to be much more widely used than it was before because so many people have found that it really does meet their needs. I've had telehealth visits the last few months. They were, I was surprised. I was very pleased with the results. And so I would very much want to have another telehealth visit rather than going to my doctor down in DC, which is quite a schlep. It's worth trouble. It's worth the trouble because she's awesome. But um, the telehealth visit was substantially more convenient. So I would, unless I needed a physical in-person visit, I would go for the, the telehealth because there are times when I want to go back for the in-person visit because that's necessary. There are some things you can't do via telehealth. One of the examples in the discussion was if a doctor needs to remove a screw from somebody's leg that was there to keep the, the bones to heal. You can't do that via telehealth. There are some things you need to lay hands on, but there are a lot of things that can be done effectively via telehealth. 
you must be really um, proud of this work, proud of the people you've brought together to sort of uh, discuss all of this. It, it was a very impressive group. And right. they were very, very constructive, even though very huge differences between some of them on some issues, the discussions were very collegial. People were respectful and thoughtful. And I was very impressed at just the caliber of the people and the way they conducted themselves, sincerely trying to find what are the best policies going forward? What are the best way to address the concerns that were there before? What's the best way to take what we've learned so far? And what is it that we still need to learn going forward? I was impressed by the, the way that people on the task force, the very illustrious people on the task force contributed to make the report a success. Very busy people too. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, uh, especially during the pandemic, right? They're in healthcare. <laughs> yes, exactly. We had people on the phone uh, during their breaks from the operating room. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was, um, uh, it was, we were very, very pleased. And I was surprised that these incredibly busy people made so much time of their very precious time available to participate. They agreed this is a really important thing to do. And I think that shows in the final report that people were very thoughtful and wanting to work as collegially and uh, you know together to come together on the consensus where we could come to consensus. That's really encouraging. One last question, I'll wrap up two actually in one question. What happens next? How will policymakers take this and what do we expect them to do with it? And then what's the future for the TTP, the Task Force on Telehealth Policy? Uh, the Task Force on Telehealth Policy will largely wind down at this point. Um, we're not going to have alumni meeting or anything like that, I don't expect. Um, but uh, we've built a lot of connections, people from different uh parts of the healthcare spectrum came together and uh, learned how to work together and, and got to know each other. So I think we've got a lot of really good connections going forward that are going to help us as we continue to work to inform policymakers. Um, some of the folks on the task force are going to be using uh, the findings to in their advocacy work to try and convince Congress and uh, states and other stakeholders on what the policies should be going forward. So this is going to inform how people do their lobbying and how they um, Co coordinate with other people going forward to figure out what are the best policies for our patients and for our entire healthcare system. Thank you, Paul. We'll keep on top of this as it progresses and as we see uh, more developments. And we appreciate you coming by for the inaugural series of the Policy Primer. Thank you for being on Inside Health. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Inside Healthcare and the Policy Primer. I'm Matt Brock. We'll see you again, no doubt.